Welcome to Money Conversations with KJ. KJ is a lifelong entrepreneur who's made a lot of money, lost a lot of money, and found his way back again. If you're looking for a sterile how-to, you're in the wrong place. KJ and his guests will walk you through real-life situations told by the people who live them, and they are as messy as they are inspiring. Each episode will offer lessons learned, advice on how to replicate successes and avoid pitfalls, and a new perspective to power your financial literacy. Far from a one-size-fits-all, this podcast can help you build a roadmap to your personal promised land. Milk and honey for some, whiskey and steak for others, and remind you that you're not alone on this journey. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to the show, Money Conversations with KJ. I am your host, KJ. It's a Sunday morning, and I'm doing a, a podcast via Zoom with a friend of mine who's up in Washington. Where exactly in Washington are you, Jeff? Uh, I'm on Lake Rossiker in Snohomish County, wow. just north of Seattle. Well, Mr. Jeff Odom, welcome to the show. Happy to have you. Well, thanks for having me. This is a, a really an honor for me that you've invited me to, to talk to your listeners about my silly story of, of money or my life. Well, they're not silly stories. They're all stories, I believe, are ins- very inspirational, some more for others. Uh, but that's the whole purpose of the podcast, to have these conversations of money, your journey. And, you know, we talk, like we talked in, in the intro there, it's, you know, I call it the good, the bad, the ugly. And so... We all need to learn from each other because we all believe, I believe, we all need to talk about money more. We need to help. We need to not have the conversation of money to be taboo or embarrassing kind of thing, right? I think if if we all talked about it more, we could all do better things. So let's start with, um, you know, Jeff and I met years and years back because Jeff's wife, Kelly, and my wife basically grew up together. They were little young young girls going to school. And so um, that's how we met. Right. And so although you and I've never lived in the same city, we just see each other periodically through the years. Um, but Jeff's story is pretty unique. Is uh, I like his story because I know your passion was motocross. Right. He, he's a motocross rider. That's his that's his fun. Like for me, I'm golf. He's motocross and his wife's his wife's into horses. She's a, a horseback rider, um, which I found really interesting. So very opposite. um uh, types of things to enjoy fun. But um, let's start back early with money. When you were young, talk talk to me about when you believed money or you understood that money was going to help you achieve or get things in life. Well, I, I had, uh, I was a paper route guy when I was younger. Uh, that's where I first started earning money was delivering newspapers and collecting 50 cents from each customer, um, for, you know, I think it was a month, um, pretty silly, but I always seemed like I never had any money because all the money I ever got, I spent it immediately. Right. So, <laughs> so through the years, you know, I just seemed like I worked and worked and worked and never seemed to have any money. Um, when I was younger, I went to work, uh, my parents got me a job working construction when I was 14 working for a buck and buck 50 an hour. And, uh, so I spent my summers doing that and still never seemed to have a, have any money to, to buy anything. Um, and so that kind of went on through, you know, through my adolescence through till high school. And then I started, I worked at a dairy queen making a buck 75 an hour. I worked at a grocery store bagging, you know, bagging groceries for people. 
And that was a really good job where I actually learned about business and about being an entrepreneur. Um, the gentleman who owned that store was, uh, it was a family little family grocery store. And that's where I realized that, you know, customers are actually paying my paycheck. This guy, you know, Jim Welk, my boss isn't, you know, independently wealthy. It's the people that I'm bagging the groceries for and taking them out to their car. Those are the people that I had to impress and make sure that they understood that, that they were the reason that I was able to have a job. And so that's where I came up with that, that epiphany that, you know, this is, this is how people commerce works This is how a business works and that was when i was 16 that's interesting you know that you and again most of us as as young kids you know 10 12 14 whatever doing the paper out all those types of jobs and how you described it you felt like you know you would just spend everything you make and that's very typical um anywhere on the planet i believe um unless you have had conversations with likely your parents um, and we'll get into that in, in a minute. Um, but transitioning and recognizing at 16 the value that you have to give to receive. Right. And that's what we all do in life. Right. The more value that we can give to any given situation and we'll call it a job, um, the more that we're going to get in return for it. And so the fact that you recognize it at 16 puts you ahead of the game because a lot of people don't recognize it until they're in their 20s. And, and I find a lot of them even don't even figure out money and what they're really supposed to do till they hit 30. They, you know, they, they, it's a lot of trials and tribulations with it. Right. Um, so did, did your, we'll get into your parents. Did your parents at any point in time in your, you know, young adolescent life, sit you down and talk about money and, and what you should do and how to expect what to expect with it? Oh yeah. They tried to get me to save it, but I never, <laughs> I just couldn't do it. You know, I'd put $10, $15 into a savings account, immediately draw it right back out. And, you know, and so I kind of learned through the school of hard knocks, I feel. I mean, I remember my first credit card I got it was a Sears credit card with a $350 limit. And I took it right to the limit like the first day and paid $10 a month on that credit card for, I don't know, for years, it seemed like, you know, and and that was my first experience with a credit card. And nobody ever told me anything about that. I just went to the Sears store and thought, this would be a good thing. I'll sign up for it. I don't even remember what I bought. And uh, and that was the first credit card. And I just remember getting the statements in the mail and, and just, you know, like, oh, my God, I got to keep paying this thing. And it's not getting it's not going down. It's not going so down. <laughs> you, you know, I but I think, you know, I think it, it the, how old were you when you got that credit card? Do you think do you remember? How old were you? Yeah, how old were you? 18. 18. So that's very typical, though, you know, and again, and and as I have these conversations, I mean, you're number 40, you're my 43rd podcast, not to mention all the other conversations I have. And it it seems pretty normal at that age we want, right? That's why one of my trainings in the program is the understanding the difference between wants and needs. And so if your parents sat you down and, hey, you need to save your money, let me ask you, because in I'm probably going to, I probably know the answer to this, but I want the audience to hear it. Um, how would, would you describe your mom and dad as spenders or savers? I think they were, I would think that they were savers. That's a hard one, Kevin, because I mean, I, I don't know that much about what my parents' finances were, 
my mom was very good with accounting. She was she used to do those uh, bookkeeping uh, books where they had you know multiple column bookkeeping, and she was really into you know debits and credits and tracking all their expenses. So I would say that they were probably very good about tracking expenses, but my dad was probably the spender and my mom was probably the saver. <laughs> and because my dad bought motorcycles and cars and toys and my mom really, you know, I think that she was the money, uh, the money person. You know, um, that, that my dad was the breadwinner. It's funny you say that again, because I asked that question and, you know, the term, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Right. And I find through conversation that, we are we're what our parents are if your parents a spender you're that's what you see right growing up it's it's a subconscious thing right when you're really you we pay attention without even understanding we're paying attention from the age five forward and if you see you saw your dad like you just said buying motorcycles and cars and just the things that he wanted right and that's being a spender so subconsciously in your mind you're like well that's what i got to do with my money i mean dad works and dad goes and buys this that and the other thing right so he's a spender so yeah. we can correlate that back for you. And this is for a lot of people. I've had this conversation. Um, and so somewhere along the way, right, we need to understand the difference between wants and needs and not just be a spender, um, but put our money to work. Right. I'm, I mean, I like to say when we say save, don't just save money to save money, save for a purpose. Right. And we all have multiple purposes to save for money. But this is for you guys listening, and I'm kind of going to jump to the end and come back, which Jeff is still very young, and he's semi-retired. And we're going to get into that story in a minute, how he uh, became a young entrepreneur, owned a business for a lot of years, and then sold it, and, and, and enjoying life to the fullest right now. Uh, he just showed me a view of what he gets to look at this morning, which is a beautiful lake. He lives in a lake house. So um, nobody's feeling, I don't want anybody to feel sorry for Jeff just yet, right? Not, not at all, even though your beginnings of my Money in your mind and what you did with it is I just want people to understand it's very typical. It's very typical. And the difference is at some point in time in your life, you recognized that you needed to make some changes the way you were handling money. Right. So let's start moving forward. You're 16 and you get that job, um, but you're still a spender. At what point did you um, start making some, we'll call it some real or slash good money where you're making way more than you needed to satisfy your, your, your expenses slash your fund. How old do you think you were for that, for that period? Uh, Pretty old. <laughs> Pretty old. I would say in my 30s was when I finally realized that this is not working for me and enough is enough. I mean, I went through, you know, I, I started uh, working in the family business. I got, I was not planning to go to work in our family business, which is the business that I eventually sold. Um, and I worked there 38 years is what I worked for, for Evergreen Auto Works, which is our family business. My dad started it. When I was 18, I went to work for him uh, temporarily. It was supposed to just be, you know, my dad needed some help. And so I was like, all right, I'll go help you. But I'm going to school. I'm going to get a marketing degree or do something in business. I really I really wanted to be in business as far as marketing or sales or something like that. And so he talked me into working with him. And then I just kind of never left. I, I kind of got sucked into it and, uh, and learned to be an auto mechanic. But during that time period, again, I was, I wasn't making any, I wasn't making very good money, but I was 
um, I had enough to do stuff, you know, and buy new motorcycles and do my motocross. And it was all about that. And, uh, I remember I got a, my, my mom and dad presented me with a, uh, with an IRA, right. For the first time. So this is your retirement plan. They had this retirement guy come in. It was from colonial, uh, colonial pen. And he came in and gave us the whole lowdown on how we could save money. And this could, you know, be something that, you know, 30 or 40 years from now, it's going to be a million dollars. All you have to do is just, you know, fund it now and keep funding it. And then, you know, see time and money take over all these sorts of things that I know you teach and that you tell your, tell your listeners, kick myself every time because I put about $2,000 into that. And then I remember like, Oh, this is so silly. I'm going to take my money out. I was like 25. Oh, I did that. And I think about it today and I think, Oh my God, what if I would have just kept funding that I would just, it would have just been phenomenal. And, and you just don't know when you're young, you know, I was looking at what I need. I need, I need this. I felt like I needed it. Did I really need it? Probably not, you know, but, but at the time it seemed like it was worthwhile to pull that money out and the, and the $50, probably the $50 a month or the $20 a month that I was putting into it wasn't very much. I remember it was like so insignificant the amount of money, but it's like, you know what? I'm cashing this thing out. I don't, I don't believe in it. I don't understand it. Right. It was, it was mainly education. Just mm. didn't understand the, how that, that 50 years or 30 years from now, how beneficial that would have been. So I, I still look at that as being a major mistake in my life. I, you know, in, in one, two things, one, you, at least you did it right. At least you, uh, you had a conversation or, you know, your parents introduced you to that conversation through that, through that representative and you started it. Um, and then you stopped, um, even if you would have just left that money in there and it was 2000 bucks, it would have compounded today, 20, whatever years later, 30 years later, it would be, you know, hundred grand, 150 grand. Right. Um, even if you'd have just left that lousy 2000 in there. But, uh, I want to make the point to the, to the listeners out there that it's the, it's the value of time is what you gave up. Right. Um, because you're 25 years old, you will be 50, you will be 60. I mean, the time will happen, right? It's it's not that uh, sometimes 25-year-olds believe like, oh, that's for old people, I'm never going to be old, right? Well, uh, father time TikToks every single day, we're not going to stop that. And so hopefully all y'all get to live to be, you know, uh, 100, let's say. And so starting those vehicles at such an early age is, I think the reason when I talk about them, I always like to teach the rule of 72 first before I talk about what your money will do. Because if you truly understand understand compounding, it makes more sense. And then you would have believed because you use the word like I didn't believe it was going to work. Right. That's what you said. Right. And and it's very normal. I think of a lot of people are the same thing. No, that, that's not really going to happen. Right. Um, but it's a mathematical certainty. Now, to the extent of how much we don't know, because that's that those monies, those dollars are predicated on what the stock market does. And we know. But over time, averages we know what it'll grow to. So that's why you're supposed to just set it and forget it. Like, don't worry about it. Just keep putting your money in there. Compounding effects going to take place. You're going to one day when you're 25 years old, one day you will be 50 or 60 years old and you'll be thanking yourself. And so how you just, you know, regretted doing that, but not to, not to worry because you, you did end up um, at the end of the rainbow here sitting fairly 
comfortable for your life at this point in time in your age. So I'm not worried about that. And there's a lot of different routes to get to financial independence and financial freedom. Um, your route might have been a little bumpier, let's just say, but you made it. And so that's awesome, right? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Yeah, you did. But through a lot of hard work. Absolutely. Yes. I, I began to realize that, you know, I was just talking to Kelly, my wife, about this because I knew I was going to be on your program. And so kind of going back and reflecting on our journey. And, and you know, one of the things that we had was we invested, we bought a $5,000 uh, home equity um, loan. So that was $5,000. And it was $5,000, same thing as the Sears card. We maxed it out. We paid the minimum balance on that on that for, I don't know, five years. One day I woke up and I was like, you know what? I'm, I am just done with this. I don't want to have this payment anymore. So I started doing some studying on, on, you know, money and, and debt and understanding. And I, uh, you know, how money works, how debt works, how to pay it off. And we bared down and used the debt snowball that now Dave Ramsey pushes so much, but this was before Dave Ramsey and we eventually started with our, you know, with our smallest debt and then started going with the next bigger one. And we got that paid off. And I remember how liberating it was to have no debt, you know, just to get that all paid off, you know. And, and uh, so that was a huge that was a huge thing for us. And it was actually kind of a swap. My wife was the financial person taking care of our finances, kind of the purse string person. And then I had that realization and I took it all over. And I used to have a piece of, I had an envelope that I wrote on the back of this envelope, all the different debt that we had and where, you know, the log into those websites, uh, the amount that we were paying on them. And so that envelope hung around for a couple of years and every month I'd sit down with our bills. This is back when you had to pay things, you know, with a stamp and a check and I'd write out our check and, you know, put it in an envelope, put a stamp on it. And as we went down, I kept crossing out that debt and just kept crossing out that debt. And I remember that envelope stuck around in our little, our envelope thing where we had outgoing incoming mail. I left that there for years because it was that significant that that was the turning point in our life. when we actually started to, to pay off our debt, get cash flow, start saving money, start investing. And this is unfortunately when I was about 35 years old that I finally got the realization that, you know what, uh, we're not getting any younger. We better start saving for our future and start working and start working harder. So two things. One, you just mentioned it was 35 until you actually achieved that. And how many years did it take you to pay off all your debt? Uh, I, I would probably say a couple of years. Okay. Two years. Not bad. Not bad. But here's the deal. So again, you just said in, in, this happens to me, right? Like one day you just wake up like you enough is enough, right? You're like, man, I can't keep doing what I'm doing over and over and expect different results. That's called insanity, right? And so for a lot of you guys out there, if you just feel like you're stuck in this hamster wheel of debt, like I can't get out, I can't get out. I'm sure some of the things that you did when you made the decision, right? Because you woke up one day and made a decision, which is that's step one, right? We just have to make a decision first. Like, all right, this is it. All right. And you mentioned how you did your homework and you learned the snowballing effect of getting out of debt, paying your highest interest rate cards first and just work them on down the line, chop them down, like chopping a tree down. So the day that you made that decision and then took action, because 
Those are two huge things that people don't realize. I mean, you say them in a conversation so quick and nonchalant that I don't want people for that point to get by people. I want you to understand if you're out there and you're someone with debt, and I don't care if it's only 2000 or it could be 20000 or whatever the number is, do your own math. You, you can calculate how long it will take you to get out of debt if you have income that's pretty steady, the same income, right? My point being, make the decision and more importantly, take action, which is what you did, right? First, you educated yourself, you learned how to do it. And then you, you, your mechanism was that envelope. You're like, that was your reminder every month. Like, I remember I wrote this thing down and, and I've got to follow this through. And I'll just use, I don't even know your numbers, which is not the point here. Let's just say if it was 5,000 and six months later, you're like, oh, I'm at 4,500. Oh, that feels so good. Six months later, I'm at, you know, 4,000. And you just see yourself whittling that debt down. It feels good. And then when you got to the day where you sent your last check to be debt free, how'd that make you feel? Oh, it was awesome. Yeah. It was, it felt liberating. And, and it, and it's amazing how, when you all of a sudden don't have that debt and now all of a sudden you have cash flow, you've taken that money out of paying somebody else. And now you're just, you, you can put it into a savings account. And we, we created a savings that was pretty, pretty awesome quickly because now you don't have, you're not paying, you know, like say you're paying three quarters or, or all of your paycheck. Cause I guess we were probably living pretty much paycheck to paycheck. Right. So now you have no debt. So now you're not living paycheck to paycheck. You have, you know, power, water, and paying your, you know, paying. We, of course we had a mortgage at that time. So still, but I mean, it was, it, it changed your, changed our life, you know, made it a lot easier. You know, your relationships get better because now we're not struggling anymore. Now we have, you know, we can, we don't have to worry about, we can go out for a dinner. Don't have to go, well, she got uh, credit cards maxed out. Can't, you know, can't go. <laughs> right. So yeah, it's, it, it's a significant change of, in, in life and lifestyle. Yeah, I agree. Um, there's no better feeling than not having debt tying you down and, and making life harder than sometimes it, it needs to be. Um, that was the conversation I had with my youngest one teaching her all these things a good six, seven years ago. Now that I, I did, I, I shared with her, honey, I don't ever want you to experience debt and not having, um, money and living check to check being broke. It being broke is a horrible feeling and I want you never to experience it. And luckily knock on wood that she, um, she's, you know, followed my lead and, and does all the right things. And she's, she's just sitting beautiful and great and doesn't stress about money. So as you learn those lessons, so you went through your twenties, like most people, right. Uh, living life, figuring it out, spending more money on wants than needs. Um, but then straighten yourself out up in your mid thirties. And at this point, uh, at what point in your life? Cause I know that you took over that business. What point, how old were you when you took over that business? Well, I knew that when I was, I think when I was 35, right in that 35 to 36 year range, I realized that I had an opportunity to buy our family business and I needed to get my life kind of sorted out. So I would have the opportunity to be able to buy this, this, this asset that my family was creating. And so that was kind of part of that whole thing was, you know, if I don't get my finances straightened out, I'm not going to be able to get a loan in order to buy this business. And so that, that also kind of went into it. And I had developed a goal and I'm huge into goal setting because it, because it's worked for me over the years. It's one of the goals I set at that point was I'm going to buy the business and I was going to buy the building that we were in and then I would sell the business and live off the rents. And the building that we were in was a big building it was, it's a 32,000 square foot building. 
Wow. So that's when I changed my life also from, from, you know, my, my, my focus was on racing motorcycles and that sort of thing. And I kind of decided, in fact, I went to a friend of mine, I told him, I said, look, I got, I got to change my life. I'm not going to be able to race anymore. It's going to be a hobby. It's not, I'm never going to be a professional at this. So my, my business is now going to be my profession. It's going to be my focus. And and that's when I started working more hours in the business. Not that I wasn't working a lot of hours in the business. Now I really started to put a lot of time into it. So that's when I started working uh, 12 hours a day, six, seven days a week, and really just hammer down. Cause I realized that this was, this was my window of opportunity. I wasn't going to get any younger. And, you know, I was seeing my dad get older and it was tougher and tougher to, to do the job. And so, you know, in my, in my key earning years, which I saw, I recognize this is my key earning years. If I'm going to make money, this is going to be it. And I got to get on it. And so, uh, so yeah, so that's when I really started to focus on the business. Wow. So th- that was to me, as I hear your story and, and how it you know unfolded there, um, you kind of backed into being an entrepreneur, right? It didn't sound like you had the big entrepreneurial spirit, you know, up until your early thirties, you were just working for the family and then recognized, well, shoot, man, I am getting older. The years are going by and faster and I will be 55 or 60, not too far away. Right. Um, and made those decisions and you use the word opportunity. And I love to talk about that with folks that guys, that was a mindset shift that Jeff had, right? He, he kind of woke up one day and looked into the future, not too distant future. Cause how old are you today, Jeff? I'm 57. Yeah. So this is 20 years ago, right? So he, which is not that long a time. Once you hit this age, you just realize that's 20, the 20 years go by so fast. But my point is that he recognized and made it that he had an opportunity there to make a decision in his life that would be an overall great decision for him 20 to 30 years down the road. And here you are now, right? A little over 20 years later. Um, and we'll get into the, to the point here where you're at. But for you guys out there, yeah, I think that's a great age between 30 and 35 to make these major decisions in your life, take action towards them, whatever it would take. You just described how, listen, I went, I'm working now 12, 14 hours a day, six, seven days a week, because now it's yours, right? It's a hundred percent your responsibility, but you also got to reap a hundred percent of the rewards, right? And so then you did that for 20 years. Um, what did you learn about money once you became your own, you know, your own boss, basically, what'd you learn about money? <laughs> well, so I, I, you know, as, as I started to really dive into the business, you know, I didn't own the business at that time. I didn't buy the business until 2002. Um, and my, and so, you know, mainly I was just trying to trying to get the business to where it was growing and we were making, you know, trying to make money, but you know, I had to go through a whole education of learning finance, right? Learning and understanding bookkeeping, accounting, and, you know, margins and labor sales and all sorts of things. And, you know, honestly, Kevin, I, I'm a high school dropout. I didn't finish high school. I never got a diploma. And it's not because I'm not smart. It's just because I think that I was, I'm just super intense on what I want to do. Right. And, and so I, I, I can, I understand math and English and all those sorts of things. It just was, you know, it's just like, well, I don't know how I'm going to apply it. So I had to go back and start this whole education. So, I mean, I read books, I did my own, uh, 
my own learning. I taught myself how to operate in QuickBooks and operate, you know, a business. And, and I seeked out all kinds of help. I got a business coach that is still one of my best friends today that helped me learn how to operate a business. I would go around on the weekends, look through the windows of auto shops because I didn't know how other auto shops worked. So I'd go around the weekends looking in the window, you know, what kind of equipment do they have? How many cars do they have? What kind of stalls do they have? You know, what, you know, what kind of tools did they have? How's it organized and come starting to compare myself uh, between these other businesses and then, and then getting hooked up with the business coach. I got to be with other entrepreneurs in the business that were, you know, that were uh, the top performers in the industry, all over the United States. And I started learning from them and basically ripping off all their ideas and putting them into my business, right. To make myself successful. So that was, that's how I continued to try to build uh, the value and the assets of my business. Cause I realized that, you know, that I didn't have all the answers and I'm not going to recreate the world, the wheel in, in my business. So stealing all these ideas, learning from these people, listening and just intently understanding how, how other people handle their money, handle their business, making money. And then, and, and, you know, like we talked before that, that thing from the grocery store that helped me in my career because I realized that the customer was what was going to give me the money, right? So the service I gave to the customer, the better value I gave them, the more money they'd be willing to give me. And that pushed me through my entire career. Um, and my dad actually had that, that same philosophy as well. So, so it was an easy transition because we had kind of built the business that way. So when I did buy the business from my parents, because I had done all the things building up to that, saving money, getting my finances straightened out. So then when I had to make a half a million dollar loan to pay for the business, I was in good financial shape. I had assets. I didn't have any debt. I'd showed that I could pay my bills. And then that's what allowed me five years later when I was in my forties to be able to, to fund my parents' retirement basically because they didn't cut me a deal on that business. I had to pay full price, which I'm okay with. <laughs> That's okay. They put a lot of years in. Yeah, I did. And they did. So, um, so it benefited both of us, but had I not done the things, you know, earlier, those years earlier and shown that I could pay my bills and that I had the financial wherewithal to be able to, to do this and to have the drive and, and, and the track record that, Hey, you know what? This guy's running his business successfully for years. He's making money. He's put money away. He's, you know, he, he, he can do this without, you know, his parents being here and, and we can, we can invest in him and be assured that we're going to get our money back. Wow. I want to take two, two takeaways that I so heard. Talk about, so talk about taking debt, right? Yeah. No debt to $650,000 is what, is what I bought the business. Yeah. But let's talk about debt real fast. And then I'm going to jump back. So now guys, I want you to understand, right? The word debt, there are two kinds of debt. There's good debt and bad debt. Good debt is you went into debt into a business that's going to make you money or did make you money, right? Versus the debt you had before, which was bad debt. And I call it consumer debt. You just charge, you've got a credit card charged, whatever you did at Sears. Things that don't make you money are bad debt. So even though you went into debt, buying a building, buying a business, that was debt. 
good debt because that was making you money. So the other thing I heard in that story was two things. Let's talk real quick about you because some people beat themselves up about this, uh, being educated or not educated. So you just you just laid it out there for everybody that you were a high school dropout. But that doesn't mean that you were dumb by any means. You were probably just uh, at that point in time in your life, like it sounds a couple of times you said, like, I don't need that. Right. And so you just made those decisions for yourself. But then you said that you you a couple of times in your life, you're like, hey, I got to sit down and educate myself. So you were very proactive in learning about finances because you knew where you're going to you bought that business or you're buying that business. And then more importantly, you called it a coach. So we can call it a coach. We could call it a mentor. I mean, we can call these these things a lot of different words. But for you guys that are out there. Jeff recognized that he wasn't going to be able to do this all on his own. And the other thing you said was that when you went around and looking in windows to see what your competition is doing, that is a hundred percent great thing to do. The thing in school, we're all taught, like you we're all sitting with our desk next to each other. Right. And you're not allowed to look over at your neighbor's, you know, whatever the test you were taking and, and they call it cheating. Right. In business, copy and paste is a great thing, right? To replicate somebody else that's having success in business and do what they're doing so you can have the success is 100% okay. I want everybody to understand that. Don't believe that, like, I can't do what that guy's doing. I got to figure it out on my own. No. If you want to replicate somebody else who's has success, absolutely do it. What you want to do at that point is take it to the next level. So, you know, copy and paste and then like, what can I do better than that now? Right. In my business to elevate myself from that person. That's what you want to learn. Right. So two things out there, man, if you have the opportunity to get yourself someone as a mentor slash coach to coach you through those things, even if you have to hire them, sometimes you have to hire them. Did you you hired your coach or did you pay him? Uh, no, I, I paid him. Um, so I was. uh so I, I had him as a business coach in a group setting. So we had a group of shops. So I, I was part of that group, which opened my eyes to that, that group of people all over the United States. And every single one of those auto repair shops had a different way of performing their, their job, right? Of fixing cars. So you take the best of all those guys, put it into your business. The, then later on in life, I hired that same gentleman to be a personal life coach which helped me then decide my life goals, which was, which was a very significant thing to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. We, you know, we, we've, we've got to know that's, we've got to know where we're going in life. We shouldn't just wake up every day, go put the time in and go through the motions. We're not out without knowing what our end result we want it to be. And the thing about that is those are goals, right? And, and set your goals. Um, goals can, there's nothing wrong with, with setting goals and changing goals. I mean, we will always change goals, right? You know, every year on January one, everybody wants their, first of the year resolutions, right? Which I don't personally believe in, but um, at least get, gets you thinking about, hey, I want to get X, Y, Z done, whatever that goal is. So I would I would believe you can really attribute your successes because of you being so proactive about learning yourself first about money, recognizing I can't do this alone. Let me go hire a coach because you can, so you actually, that's investing in yourself, which is probably the best investment we can all ever do, right? Anytime you're going to spend money to better whatever it is you're doing personally or professionally, it's well-spent money. Go ahead and spend that money. Um, when you spent that money on that coach, was that something that made you financially uncomfortable? Was it a stretch or was like, now you can handle it? 
No, I never, I never looked at that as being, as being money, you know, wasting money. I felt that like that was going to be part of the key to the, to my success. So I never felt like that was a stretch or anything. And it, and honestly, it wasn't, it didn't cost that much. It wasn't that much. Get a coach. Okay. No, I don't think, I think I can't remember how much I, the personal coaching was, but I think it was like a couple hundred dollars a month. And we met only three or four times a, a month. Right. But he laid out some, some key questions, uh, which I call coaching questions. I still have them. I still look at them. And this was back in 2008 when, or, was it eight or seven, something like that. But yeah, for years, I mean, I still go back and look at those coaching questions and, and, you know, they really helped me understand what I was trying to accomplish in my life. Right. And so, and, and, you know, going back for what you say, changing your goals, um, really the way, the way I was taught was, uh, your goals are in concrete, your plans are in sand. So, so create the goal, and things might change, you know, your plans of how you get there are always going to could change because we don't know what, you know, what doors are going to open, what's going to happen in our lives. But if you have a goal, the goal should be in concrete. That's what I want to accomplish. But getting there might change, might not be the same way I pictured that I would get there, but somehow I still get to my goal. So to me, that's, that's how I've kind of, kind of managed my goals. Excellent. Excellent. Great advice there. Great advice. You guys need to write that one down. Really good advice there. Again, because we all forget whatever the goal is, we're all going to, there's a, we all have different paths to reach those goals, like you said, and that path's always going to change, right? There's no way we can write our path down and expect to follow it exactly because life changes for a bunch of different reasons. Um, So talk about your decision of when you when it actually happened and why you decided to sell that business now you want to go into the dark part (laughs) (laughs) it's not all it's not all rosy and like oh kumbaya this was a this became kind of a a strange part of my of my life story here as um so I always knew that when my dad i watched my dad as he aged and got you know towards his retirement age, he kind of burned out and, and his customer service kind of his customer service skills went away. He wasn't engaged in the business. He was disappearing during the day. He was, you know, pretty much like, you know what, I don't care what happens in the business anymore. You guys take care of it. And I saw that happen. And I thought, you know, that was, that was really uh, detrimental to the business because it, it had he not had me running the business he was self-destructing, right? The business would self-destruct. And, and so I always felt like I needed to get out of the business before that happened to me. Well, so what happened was, is that in 2018, I started to have some issues in staffing and I started to have some challenges in the business. And I wasn't, uh, I was pushing the business really hard, but I was starting to realize that I didn't have the drive. I was really having to start to self-motivate myself to go to work and do the things I needed to do. And I was, so I, in October of 2018, I felt like I was really struggling and I went to, I actually went to a Tony Robbins, uh, seminar because I felt like I needed to get re-energized. I'm like, okay, I either need to get re-energized or I'm going to have to do something different in my business because this isn't working for me. And I starting to realize that I was going to have to recapitalize the company. Basically I was going to have to re 
I was going to have to go out and take out a loan because my equipment was getting old. And, um, and by the way, I had bought the building. So that was, that was great in 2016. No, what was it? Uh, 16. Yeah. 2016. I think we were, we were finally able to buy the building, which was huge. Three and a half million dollar purchase. And through my, through all the financial stuff I did. And so it's going to my investing. My choice was to invest in real estate. So I bought this lake house I'm sitting in today. I had a five acre house uh, that's in the same town. I bought an industrial building in an adjacent town. So I started to build my real estate assets, right? And so then when when uh, the owner of the building came to me finally, because I put many uh, offers in his ear about I wanted to buy the building, but he always said that he didn't feel that I was ready. He didn't feel he was ready. So finally he was ready, makes the phone call and says, Hey, I think it's time you should buy the building. I'm like, Oh, seriously. Okay. Well, let's, let's, let's see if we can do this. Luckily I had a great banker. I had a great, uh, accountant and I had my business coach. And so we took the, we took that big giant step of buying the building, which was huge because now you got to put up all these assets. And luckily I had them because, you know, they looked at that, at, at that, and use those assets for us to be able to get this this big loan. Little did I know that that's what I was really doing. I didn't know that this was what was really going on, but but luckily I had done it. So we had so we had the uh, the assets to back up this purchase of this building. And um, and I I think it's really important for people to realize that you need those three people, right? You need you need a you need a good account, you need a good lawyer, and you need a good uh, banker. And then you can add the financial, you know, your your business coach onto that if you wish. But uh, but definitely need three good guys. You need your personal banker, accountant, and lawyer because those people helped us get through all that. I didn't know what to do with that kind of stuff, right? With purchasing that kind of of an asset, and uh, and those guys helped us through it. And they've all become great friends. No, sure that that, that's a huge accomplishment for you in your life, and. To make that, I mean, you just added again, that's just something else to the portfolio. Um, and then you decided to sell the business? Yeah. So, okay. So now I own the business. Let's go back to October. And I was kind of getting burned out in the business. And and so I thought that I needed to go to this Tony Robbins thing. And it was a business uh, entrepreneur, business uh, development uh, seminar. I spent three days there. And on the first day, they did a thing called... Uh, the business life cycle of a business and a life cycle of a business was like, was like you start out in a, as an infant, then you go to uh, your adolescence and then you go into your like your midlife and then you go into your elderly age and then you're in infirmary and you're, you know, you're going to death. Right. My business was, was in that old age going to death. <laughs> because I, as an owner, was that's where I was, and I'm looking at so I'm looking at this this chart, and he, and Tony Robbins, I remember what he said. He says, if you're on this side, if you're over here in the debt, you got two choices: you either got to sell and get out of business, or you're going to have to go back and restart your business and put it back into the infant stage and get it to go back through adolescence and start that whole cycle over again. And I looked at that. I can't do that. I mean, if I if I go back. I'm at that point, I'm like 55 years old. 
if I go back to my business and I put another couple hundred thousand dollars into equipment because all my equipment was old and I needed to refurbish it and retool. And so that was going to be a huge deal. And I needed more capital to be able to do that. So, I'm, you know, I'm probably talking like two hundred fifty to three hundred thousand dollars in debt to, you know, to get this. And then I'm thinking, well, to get my return on investment, it's going to take me probably 10 years. Now I'm going to be 65. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to work till I'm 65 in this business. I've already put 35 years or something into this thing. And so, um, so I had made the decision right there on the first day of that, of that class, I'm done, I'm going back and I'm selling my business. And so I went back and we, and I told my wife, that's what I wanted to do. And, um, and so we contacted, uh, an, a, um, we contacted what's called an MSO multi-shop operation, which really it's an, it's a, uh, um, multi-shop operations there's two of them. They're private equity owned. Um, so they have lots of money. And I'd seen this coming too. In the industry, the collision industry, there is consolidation going on. So I knew that that you know it was only a matter of time before one of these consolidators who are funded by private equity had billions and billions of dollars at their disposal. And here I am thinking I have to, you know, I don't even have enough money in my bank account really to fund the new equipment that I needed. Right. So, so my choices are, I can't compete with these guys. So let's just try to see if we can sell to these people. And so we started to do that. We started to, to, um, to contact them and we did, and they made us an offer and it was an awesome offer better than I ever expected. Cause I, this time I was at a point where I told my wife, I'm done. I will just give this thing away. I had so many employee issues, I had, you know, cash flow issues. The insurance industry was just coming down on me. I had lost a state farm account that was worth about one hundred and fifty thousand dollars a month to me. Wow! That was that was the biggest blow that just really tanked my business. I didn't see a way out, and so you know, they were there were pretty dark days where my wife had to walk me back from the cliff because I was ready to jump off. And so, um, so this is all going on within like a three month span. I would call her, uh, on the way home just to be like, ah, it's just horrible. I can't do this anymore. And she's like, no, just come home. You know, it's another day. You're going to be okay. And all this. So, so this went on as we were negotiating with, with the sale of our business. And so I'm just like, we need to get these guys in here. They need to give us a check. I need to get out of here. I'm, <laughs> I can't do this anymore. I'm going in. Like I would go in and, and drive into my truck on the way to work and in order for myself to get motivated, I would crank the, crank the radio up with these motivational songs and just be rocking out so I could get up the energy to go in and do the job. And I would, I would go in and, and it was hard, but every day I did it because I knew that it was going to, in, in the end, it was going to work out, but it was the toughest six months of my life in business. Wow. Wow. I didn't have, I didn't have any money because I'd lost that huge account. I knew that my employees were, I had, I had my top guy come to me and say, if you don't get this straightened out in the next three or four months, I'm out of here. I'm leaving. So this is my top guy who had been with me for 14 years. Wow. And, and so it was pretty, it was a pretty bad time. Well, let's Um, do, let's do some takeaways from that so people can learn. Um, mm -hmm. Totally can understand getting burnt out. I mean, I I did in 2012 when I shut my uh, construction business down just because the, the, there was no money to be made at that point in time. But 
in, in your case, you know, as we go through life and we need to recognize when life's making a pivot for us and you, again, you're, you're a decision maker, right? You, you will make a decision and you'll stick it to it is what I hear. And so for a lot of you guys out there, man, I just don't want to say something like that and not really truly for you guys to understand making a decision is not easy, especially for a lot of people. Some people it is, yeah, make a decision. Boom. Let's, you know, step two, what's next. Right. Um, so commend yourself when you do make these final decisions that like in Jeff's case, like that's it. I, I, he saw what, what his dad did, got burnt out, didn't want to be in that position, lost that account. Like this is, this is not what you expected and life wasn't any fun at that six month period for you. But through all the previous trainings that you had with your life coach and everything else that you did, I think helped push you through and doing your homework and finding that company that was able to buy your business. And then ultimately when you got that check and the business was gone and now financially you're sitting in a nice place, um, that t- that was pretty much your whole life, right? Because you worked there 30 something years by the time that had happened. And so I think I want the lesson for you guys out there listening is don't give up. Jeff never gave up. He always pushed through until he made a decision to say, okay, this is it. This is what I need to do based on investing in himself, going to a Tony Robbins event, which are not cheap by any means. What was that? Probably a three or $4,000 investment on your part. Going to Tony Robbins? 10, 10,000. 10, yeah, it was 10,000 about But I'll tell you what, it was worth it. It was worth every penny of it because, you know, it, it energized me. It gave me, I feel like that gave me the, the energy and the purpose to be able to get through. I recognized where I was in my business. Maybe it wasn't, you know, maybe it wasn't that, that my business was in great shape and that I could, that I could go on, but it made me realize where, where I was in my, in my business life and where I was in my life. Right. And what, and what action it was going to take to get it to that next level, to the next level that I was going to have to take it to if I wanted to stay there. Um, so yeah, it's, it, it was a great lesson. Was, was that $10,000 investment to go to see, to spend those three days with Tony Robbins? Was that a financial, um, stressful decision at that point? Right? Like you like, Hey, yeah. 10,000 is a lot, but you know, I think it's worth it and let's do it. Or for a yeah, lot of people. Yeah. My bookkeeper thought it was crazy. Like, <laughs> like you don't have any money. Why are you going to Tony Robbins? <laughs> right. I said, because I need this, I need to, I need to, to look at this and decide if I'm going to, if I'm going to continue to get to, you know, get my way through this, I need energy. I need some, somebody to push me. And so I felt like it was important for me to go. So, you know, in life, we can all connect the dots going backwards, right? We can't connect the dots going forward because they haven't happened yet. Would you say looking back, connecting dots, that decision to invest in yourself, the 10,000 to go have Tony Robbins was definitely a pivotal moment in your life. And cause it, 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 um, it got you to make a decision of what you were ultimately going to do and where you are today. Yeah. And the, and the enthusiasm that, that he brought the music and the, and, and, and the, I guess it, you could say the brainwashing <laughs> that he did through that is what got me to go into the business and do what I had to do because that's what he tells you in those, in those classes, you need to get the motivation. You need the energy. You need to bring it every single day. And, and that's the music I would listen to on my way 
into the office was was the the uh, motivational music that he gave, and then all that brainwashing, all that you know, like go in and, and knock it out of the park every day. This is what you have to do if you're gonna you know, if you're gonna be successful. And I knew what I was doing was I was selling my business, right? And if I could just make it another six or eight months, that this was going to be my end result. That I was going to get to the end of this. There was an end. It was you know, it was not going to be easy. This was a huge change. I mean, think about how uncomfortable it is to sell your business. My identity is Evergreen Auto Works. That's what I've been doing all my life. Right. And you're telling me that I'm going to sell that and give it away? That I've been coming here and driving into this business. These are my employees. This is my business. This is how I've identified my family. Um, so it was it was a massively uh, difficult decision to make, um, but it, it was something that, again, way back when I was in my 30s, it was what I knew I was going to do, right? It was just the timing of it. When was it going to happen? Originally, when I made that goal, I was going to buy the business, run it for five years, buy the build, you know, buy the building, buy the business, buy the building, run it for five years, sell the business off. Well, I missed that mark by about 25 years. Right. But but that's okay. Again, that's okay. You know, um, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, Wow. Great story. Great lessons there of one. You know, I think the lesson here is make decisions, invest in yourself, be patient. Because like you just said, it it was it didn't happen when you thought it was going to happen. It was 20 something years later. So you were patient about it, you know to happen which is okay so for you guys that are out there maybe in the middle of that struggle you've got to make a decision to invest in yourself whether it's tony robbins or whoever i mean he's an awesome speaker he his teachings are amazing um go to him and he's got a lot of great teachings on youtube that you can go watch and listen to him regularly and he'll definitely motivate the crap out of you um i listen to him pretty regularly myself so great story landed here sitting at your lake house now making the decision of the next move in life but now you get to do it on your terms right yeah yeah well yeah, great exactly so it all worked out and um and yeah it, it, it was a long a long story but yeah it's it's been great and now i i like what you say i'm not retired i'm just financially secure enough that i don't have to have a job exactly exactly you get to control your time your money Great. So guys, I hope you enjoyed that show today. That was really enlightening. If you're anywhere in the entrepreneur business owner world, um, there's always hope for everybody. Again, here's Jeff decided to drop out of high school and just worked his butt off and decided to make decisions and invest in himself. So kudos to you. So guys, if you like what you heard and you're on YouTube, just smash that like button, subscribe to my channel. Many more uh, episodes coming out. They come out every Wednesday on the podcast, 7 a.m. So if you're on the podcast, follow me on there and and wait for the next one to come out. So Jeff, thanks for coming out again. I really appreciate it. Um, I look forward. I know we're, we've got scheduled to come up and visit you at some point in time at that beautiful lake house. And uh, we'll see you up there then. All right, guys, take care. I'll see you next week. Hey, everybody. Hope you enjoyed that episode. Uh, really enjoyed making all these episodes for you. Remember, we're just having uh, conversations with people's journey with money and the things they did right with it, the things that did wrong with it. And uh, how, how did they really come about getting their mindset with money? So uh, every episode's different. We all have a good takeaway from them. So do me a favor, hit the like button, smash the like button and subscribe to my channel because every 
episode that I do is going to be different as all our journeys are different. So you guys take care and uh, we'll talk to you next week.